Today on the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad Podcast, episode number 84, what is a mental health tsunami? And what kind of mental health issues that teenagers are facing? What is strategic slacking? That's interesting, actually. Answer those questions next to my guest, Dr. Christine Cotter, the happiness expert. Dr. Christine Cotter is a acclaimed sociologist, author of a new book, The New Adolescents, Raising Happy, Successful Teenagers in an Age of Anxiety and Distraction. Next on the podcast. Let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad Podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Hey, my name is Joe Foley, and I want to thank you for being here. Yes, really, thank you. I'm having a little fun with this today. Using my hands, well, you can't see, but I'm just moving my hands while I'm talking. Maybe I can do that. Maybe you can be more energized and talking to you about what I'm going to talk about today. And plus, I have a lot of energy right now. I'm stuck in my house like most of you are, like pretty much everybody right now. We're during the time of the epidemic of the virus, the social distancing and stuff like that. So you taking time to listen. I really do appreciate you listening to me and listening to the podcast. I really do. This is a podcast about a journey of discovery. What I mean by a journey of discovery, what are you going to find? Well, we're going to learn something new. Maybe you're not going to learn something new. Maybe just like listening. Maybe you can find out something about being a parent or about something about self-help or something that you might find interesting. Because it's interesting to me, so I'm probably thinking interesting to you. Because topics like distraction, like we're going to talk about today, mental health tsunami teenagers are facing, connections with people. That's important, especially in teenagers' life nowadays. Because we're losing those connections with all the... Um, social distancing and stuff like that, especially kids not going to school, they're learning online. It's not the same as being in person. Because those times when you're a kid, I can remember, having friends were very important, really important. So my guest, Dr. Christine Carter, is an expert in what she does. She has a four, four teenagers, so she makes a little more an expert than I am. And she's author of the book, The New Adolescents Raising Happy, Successful Teens, in the age of anxiety and distraction, like many distractions. What we talk about today, how influence and soul structures play a part in teenagers' lives. Being away from your friends, being isolated at home. I mean, it's nice to have your family all together, but you kind of need your friends. What is strategic slacking? That sounds funny, actually. When you think about slacking, you think about wasting time, sitting there doing nothing besides staring at the wall or doing as little as possible. What is the mental health tsunami that teenagers are facing? That's another topic we talk about. And then what's the importance of connections? Like I'm connecting with you through the, my voice and you listen to the podcast. But what's, how important is connections for kids and teenagers? Dr. Christine Carter, she has a lot. So let's jump right into the interview. Welcome to the podcast, Christina. Thank you. Welcome to the podcast. I really appreciate it. One thing, I know you're a sociologist. How does that work for a mom, being a sociologist, have a teenager? How does that work out? It works out great, actually. <laughs> I've, um, my work as a sociologist changed really fairly dramatically when I had kids. And because I became just really interested in the things that 
that we could do as a family to raise happy and healthy kids. And so as a sociologist, I'm interested in how social structures like our businesses or our schools or our families influence the way that we feel. That's sort of my um, realm. And before I had kids, it was all about, you know, cultural things, businesses, corporations, things like that, how workplaces influenced our habits and emotions and, you know, having, having teenagers, having, even when I had little kids, suddenly it became, I became very aware of how our habits and our routines and the social structures within our family was really influencing how people, how people were doing. And this is very empowering because while we might not have any uh, influence over our genetic makeup, <laughs> right? but then like the, our personalities and the things that are innate to us, we sure have a lot of control over our social structures. It's very interesting too, because for teenagers, you have four different personalities all yeah. trying to figure out and like clashing together. And then what a teenager is kind of like being a teenager. I mean, it's been a long time since I've been a teenager, but my son's six years old. I'll experience that in a few years down the road. But what is it like for a teenager nowadays? Because now a lot more distractions, a lot more things going on. Everything is different <laughs> from when I was a teenager. I mean, the world has changed a lot. We are living through this age of greatly accelerated change. And, and that makes a difference, right? That is all the devices change the way kids, of course, interact with each other but it also affects social dynamics within the household and, and the type of parenting that we need to do because they actually still need the same sort of parenting. It's just around things that we didn't have when we were kids, right? Like when I was a teenager, there was no vaping that I was aware of. Mm -hmm. there, there was no such thing as sexting. There wasn't like these, there are big issues right now that kids need guidance around that we, you know, we're having to figure it out ourselves. That's why I wrote this book. I needed the book. Right? I needed the talking, the whole third part of the book is talking points for this new era, right? Like I needed to figure out like, what do I need to teach my kids about sex, about drinking, about drugs, about money, these big things that, you know, everything's different. What's well, interesting too, they, they, it's, I, I can remember, again, I'm going to say member of when I was a teenager again, a long time ago, but remember when and when you had a problem at school when a teenager, you can go home and you can leave it at school. Nowadays, that follows a kid everywhere. I can imagine the pressure the kids are under nowadays. Yeah. And, you know, you've just put your finger on a really big thing that there is no space outside of the, the virtual worlds that they're really interacting a lot in and that they can take that to bed with them and they wake up to it first thing in the morning. And so unless we as parents really work, create space for them to just be at home, to just be relaxed, to just be themselves, uh, they do, they do end up on social media 24 seven. It reminds me of like, I can see the way we're going with technology nowadays. It was a new Apple, um, the new Apple phone when the little brother's holding the, it was the hairdryer and the girl's like slow motion and like, and she's blowing and blowing her hair dry, so it can look like she was hair was flowing. I can see that being the new, you know, the way the teenagers act nowadays. Yeah, can't say I actually don't know what ad you're referring to, <laughs> but but yes, there is. It is 
coloring all of their interactions, right? Everything that they do is there's, there is potentially a video of it. (laughs) It's like what happened. And then there's the video of what happened and whether that ends up on TikTok or not. It's one thing too. And one thing that really stood out to me, I was looking up some of your information and stuff like that. What did you mean by the tsunami of mental health issues that parents need to be aware of nowadays? Yeah, well, so the the tsunami of mental health issues is really this mental health crisis that that we are facing. We we have never seen such high rates of depression or anxiety or suicidality before, right? So the suicide rate in our whole society is way up. It's the highest in the US it's been since the Great Depression and and also, it's rising at a much faster rate for our kids, particularly our girls. So we need to see that it's coming, understand why it's coming, what the causes of this mental health crisis are. Good news is, is we, for the most part, understand it pretty well. And, and then do what we can to adapt our parenting to this new age, right, so that we can prevent it from getting even bigger and that when we can just start to reverse these scary trends. You mentioned about more pressure on girls. What do you mean by that? Well, just the suicide rate is going up much higher for girls than it is for boys. It, it, historically, boys have actually had a higher suicide rate. So it's sort of the gender gap is evening out and not in a good way. And we are just seeing greater anxiety, greater depression, just in terms of the rate um, of change, girls seem to be suffering more in this age, right? So they use social media more. Social media tends to affect them more, and they they tend to put more pressure on themselves. There's a lot of reasons that go into why they're more anxious and um, depressed, but I, it's something that's important for us to keep our eyes on. That does not mean that the boys aren't also suffering. It just means that we're just seeing these like skyrocketing rates and their the rates are are a little higher or faster moving faster for girls one thing i one thing i liked about too and and, and I, I thought it was pretty cool actually how to teach a teens the art of strategic slacking i mean every <laughs> every teenage thing is oh how can i not i could do this quickly and get away you know kind of slacking how do you teach them that it's kind of interesting yeah so I know, a little counterintuitive <laughs> uh, i think like parents who are like oh i don't need to teach my kids how to slack off Kids need rest more than, and they need screen-free rest, right? They need to be able to just stare into space and not get anxious or bored. And because the, that's what the brain needs. The brain cannot be on and stimulated all the time and be healthy. It's not healthy to be, be gaming or stimulating yourself all the time with social media and devices and then to go right from homework to screens to, you know, anyway, so, so that's the slacking piece of things. They really do need to slack off without a screen to just be able to stare into space and let the, their brains do what it needs to do to consolidate memories. And there's a whole, a lot of brain activity happens mm-hmm. when we just stare off into space. The strategic part of it is, is learning to use that stillness or that slacking to to be actually more productive during the day, more creative, more 
you know, instead to do it when, you know, we used to have to do it. Think about yourself as a kid, right? <laughs> like there was so much staring into space while you waited for your mom to pick you up. You didn't know where she was or whatever, because <laughs> it was just late and there was just no way of knowing. And you just sat on the curb. I mean, I can remember just sitting on the curb of my middle school, like just waiting. Cause that's just what we did. We did a <laughs> lot of waiting. If we had to wait in line in the lunchroom, we didn't look down at a screen. If we had to, I mean, if we were on the bus, we didn't look down at a screen. There was a lot of staring into space that is not happening now. And those, those are, or even eating meals. Like if we were just eating alone or whatever, we just ate, right? Like mm-hmm. we didn't, we were looking at a screen. So those going back to sort of those old times, that's very strategic to, to let yourself stare into space. And the reason that is strategic is because you're not accomplishing anything anyway, and it will make your brain healthier and more efficient and more productive when you go to try and learn something, right? To study or do something else. It's interesting too. I mean, a lot of the kids nowadays, because we're always in Snapchat, Facebook, everything, and losing that connection face-to-face. Like, you know, we have this technology. I can see you now. Obviously, in the podcast, I can't can't hear see you, but see you face-to-face. But in person, yeah. meeting people in person, how— I think kids are losing that. And I don't know how you feel about that. Well, uh, I, you know, what the data says about that is it's not good, right? So that eye contact is really important and being able to hear people's vocal tones is really important. Touch is really important. Even just little tiny micro touches are, are, are really important for our nervous system feeling calm. We feel safe when we feel connected to other people. And when we just simply make eye contact with another person and have a quick vocal exchange with them, our nervous system doesn't feel alone. It doesn't feel isolated. So, you know, if you're just like checking out at the store or something and you're looking down at your phone, you miss this opportunity to have what what we might feel like is a meaningless social interaction, but it's actually not at all from a nervous system standpoint. So when you consider that, you know, kids today are struggling with higher and higher rates of anxiety, it's because in part, their nervous systems are so rattled by the isolation that they feel. They're not hanging out with their friends in person as nearly as often as they used to. In fact, that's down by one hour per day for the average teenager. And, you know, I mean, just like anywhere you go into public, like any elevator you're ever in, people don't connect anymore. They're looking down at their screens. They're, you know, just in public spaces as well. That face-to-face connection is really important for mental health because it signals safety. You know, the state, we're herd animals in the end, right? <laughs> we're clannish beings and we, don't, we need, our nervous system needs to not feel alone. Texting does not, service that well in isolation like you said isolation is bad and texting it can be taken out of context too people under the, the, the tone of voice really does help absolutely uh, absolutely it teaches us something really important i mean a lot of other social skills come into play as well with in face-to-face interactions or even just voice-to-voice interactions and that that are really important for teenagers to learn right like if you're willing to text something mm-hmm. that you would never say to somebody face to face, that creates a very different social dynamic, right? This mm-hmm. is why uh, social media has become a big platform for, for bullying and meanness that just 
wouldn't wouldn't take off in the same way, you know, on the playground at school or after in the neighborhood. What are some things that parents can do and help with teenagers or kids who have social media accounts now and have phones? Is there anything that can help like roll it or help the kids navigate through this really tough situation? Yeah. Or Yeah. Yes. So there's just some new research that just came out that that sort of affirmed what what we know, but sort of fear isn't true. (laughs) It is true that parents are very influential, even with older um, teenagers, even with things that we think of as being like for littler kids, like bedtime enforcement and charging your devices outside of your room and things like that. So the first thing to remember is that Parents matter even when your kids are older and you're parenting in that virtual world, whether or not you know anything about it (laughs) is is still extremely important. So I hear a lot of parents who are like, oh, my gosh, I've got a 17 year old boy. I, I can't control his phone. Right. Like I had that's an area of no control for me. But guess what? It is. And it's, you know, you're probably paying for the cell phone plan. So, and you probably paid for the phone. It's your phone, right? (laughs) Like it's not, it is an area where kids need support. They need structure. And we can talk about what that looks like. And also it's, it's our responsibility as parents to parent them in this realm. What kind of, like we said about structure, what kind of structure would they go about doing? I think it's really important. To, um, to recognize that, that they do need structure that helps them deal with the addictive qualities um, of these devices. So they, their ability to self-regulate is not fully developed. And we know as adults how hard it is to resist <laughs> the siren song of our phones. You know, it's so tempting to check all the time, right? For them, it's even um, doubly so because their ability to self-regulate isn't as strong as ours is. And also because in the adolescent brain, dopamine or the reward system Mm -hmm. is more pleasurable. So a little hit of something that, that is rewarding as adults, like um, looking at your social media feed or having a cookie, sugar, whatever, it's more pleasurable to adolescents. They experience it as more rewarding. So, so we need to sort of help come in and be their self-control in that way. And I think the best way to do it is to create device-free times mm-hmm. and spaces in their lives. And this is for younger kids as well, right? Meal times are really um, an important time to emphasize that face-to-face um, interaction or strategic slacking if they're eating alone, right? So no devices wherever um, during meal times. I think during the car, it's really important too. There's really good opportunities for their brains to recover if they're just looking Um, out the window and just sort of like having hard and fast rules in your um, house that that enforce good habits around giving their brains some time time and space away from these addictive devices bathrooms are another one you know you don't (laughs) even want to talk about the data that we have around boys and cell phones in bathrooms right like it's disgusting they don't need to have their phones in there <laughs> One thing I was interesting too is your book, the new book, The New Adolescents Raising Happy, Successful Teens in the Age of Anxiety and Distraction. Um, I don't know if those discuss more about that. How did that come about? How did you come up with the idea and stuff like that? 
honestly, like I thought, okay, well, I always, I have always actually wanted to write a book about teenagers because they're really fascinating. And I thought that I would write this book once my teenagers were like all launched and, (laughs) you know, it was like proof in the pudding, right? Like, but I, but I actually started to look at the statistics and we had a really good family friend who started to struggle, who struggle with anxiety and depression and suicidality. And I just realized I, I, as a sociologist could no longer ignore this sort of really scary mental health statistics I was seeing. And, and so I just felt a responsibility to figure out what was going on and then figure out the solutions to it (laughs) as well. Now, this turned out to be enormously helpful for me in my own parenting, given that my kids are now, you know what I mean? Like I wrote this when they were younger teenagers, they're now older teenagers. It turns out like I really needed this book. (laughs) I'm so glad that I had the space to write it, you know? What is, um, like some of any tips or anything in the book that would be helpful you can share? Oh my gosh. The entire book is like <laughs> tip laden. I am the queen of tips. So the whole third part, I think I mentioned this is like talking points, right? Like here's all the tips, like here's how to do it. So the first part of the book is all tips for basically for influencing your teenager. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, and there are uh, like how to um, understand how to work with the teenager. This is, this is one of those things I really needed because I, I'm so full of good ideas. I thought that I could just give my kids lots of information and then they would take the information that I so delightfully departed, you know, gave to them and they would make healthy choices and use it. And, and then I stumbled on all this research that basically shows what we of course know to be true. Um, I'm not sure we needed studies to do this, but nonetheless, I think these studies are really fascinating. The researchers went in and, looked at interventions or programs um, among grade school children that inspire healthy eating was one of them, for example, that were really successful. And then they, they implemented them with high school, middle and high school students. And what they found was that they didn't work, right? (laughs) Giving what works for little kids, giving them information and empowering them to make healthy choices doesn't work for teenagers. Right. So, um, so I then those researchers thankfully changed those programs so that they would work for teenagers. You know, teenagers have their really predictable things that they will reject mm-hmm. and rebel against. And so um, so the whole first part of the book is sort of like, how do you give them information that <laughs> <laughs> they won't listen? <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, they, um, teenagers can be rebellious, too. Oh, it is their job, right? <laughs> Ask questions and, and, and mom yeah. and dad don't know anything. Right, right. No, and, and then that's, that's more, that's a, there, there is some, something that is really fundamental about adolescents, right? Their job is to individuate from their parents, right? And the, the, that can become really dangerous, if they don't have the information that they need, right? So in this era, for example, kids are getting most of their information at a very young age, before even adolescence, from about sex from internet porn, right? Mm-hmm. That's not a good source of information mm-hmm. about sexuality or intimacy between adults. So 
rebellion hat can take on a whole new edge. It can be much riskier these days in these vaguer realms. The good news is that kids are safer in a lot of ways too, right? Like they're not drinking as much and they don't drink and drive as much and they're not smoking as much. They are vaping, but anyway. What is one thing too? I mean, it probably um, is a good to start them young with a good foundation to when you become teenagers though, open it to foster that communication. Absolutely. If you've got really young kids, it's really important to start that communication really young and even talking to them in the way that you would talk to a teenager, giving, ascribing, you know, giving them a higher status is good practice. Like a lot of the things that you absolutely have to do with teenagers or they won't listen are good to do with younger kids. Now, the good news is, is that even if you have an older teenager, it's never too late to become more effective in your communication. What is like one or two things to foster communication? What can you give that foster communication? The first tip I have is I'm so bad at it. It's hilarious that this is just what came to mind <laughs> is to think about brevity, right? To, <laughs> to be short in your communications with them. So you want to have not one big conversation about something important. You don't want to sit them down and say, we really have to talk about this, right? Mm -hmm. You just want to have lots of little super short conversations. You can hear that that is hard for me. <laughs> because I'm like, you know, I sit down and like make all the talking points and whatever, but it, it's really better to, to be brief and to, to increase the frequency to touch on subjects as often, but, but really quickly. One of, the, one of the interesting studies around that is that when parents go on too long, mm -hmm. um, they, it feels like nagging the kids, <laughs> right? Like they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like they, when they get to that point where they don't want to hear it anymore, mm -hmm. they feel nagged and it activates regions in the teenage brain related to anger mm -hmm. and it decreases activity in regions related to planning and behavior change. That's interesting. I never thought of it that way. And another thing, too, that I thought it interesting, I was looking up your, the, the new book and stuff like that. The 100% of the procedure is going to tipping point. What is tipping point? Proceeds for all the pre-sales are going to Tipping Point Community, which is an anti-poverty uh, organization. Basically, it's, their C, it's a fundraising organization, and it's an amazing organization here in California that is really making a dent in in our poverty the poverty rates here i had and, a, I had an interesting question because i'm i'm on the east coast you're on the west coast you're near san francisco is the poverty level you see it on the news is it actually really what it is out there like is it on the news it's pretty yeah yes yeah i mean there are rates of homelessness are shockingly high and and tipping point community is really trying to make a dent in that they're very innovative organization that is is making a difference oh that's and it's great i mean pre-sales and then all the yeah, i'm going to the um tipping with that is a very very good cause and stuff like that also i noticed you offer it on the website too it was coaching individual coaching and stuff of parenting not sure that this is one of my better offerings but i am a coach it is my you know a primary way that i make my my living and you know i offer this kind of one-on-one -on -one advice to um, parents. When I'm wrapping up, like final thoughts, what do you want to leave with a parent who, who wants to talk to their adolescent? What would be a final thought for a parent? 
If you want to talk to your adolescent, the first step is to listen, mm-hmm. right? To, and, and to really see them, right? What are they really trying to communicate to you? Who are they really? What are they? Just see it from their point of view first. And also where they can, where they can connect if they want to reach out to you and ask more questions about your book and what you do. My website is christinecarter.com. You should find all the things you need. I'm, I'm on Instagram and Facebook and kind of on Twitter. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> you know, so those are good places to ask me questions or just on my website. It's easy too. Thank you, Christine. Thank you very much for being on the podcast this evening and all the links and, sh- and all the stuff will be in the show notes. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your time. Wrapping up the episode, I want to thank Dr. Christine Carter being the guest on the podcast. You can find more about her over at christinecarter.com. You can find all the links we talked about about the show at notesittingonthesideline.com slash 64. Hey, I really appreciate you. And in this time of um, uncertainty and going out of our minds being stuck in our house, how are you dealing with it? I'd like to really know, how are you dealing with the social distancing and you know, trying to find ways of interesting ways connecting. And how are you doing with your kids? If you're a parent listening to the podcast, how are you finding ways for your, you can, um, your friends or your friends, your kids, friends, and your kids still connect with their friends and try to keep those social ties. Cause that's so important, especially growing up. That's so important. I'd leave it, leave it some of the um, things you do in the comments. I like to hear what you have to say. And, you know, if you just want to say hello, I would appreciate that too. <laughs> you can find more of all my contact information at com slash contact. Hey, thank you. Thank you for listening. It's really, really, I really, really appreciate it. Until next time, take care. God bless. Give your kids a hug and be kind to yourself. Take care. God bless. See you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe to the newsletter to receive updates of the show and helpful and useful tips. This has been a production of Foley 42 Media.